Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog Look, there's a lot of ways to monetize YouTube. There just is. There's many, many ways to monetize YouTube. Some do it through business, some do it through acting, makeup, bodybuilding, fitness. But today, JP Sears had figured out how to monetize his sense of humor with videos he made through sarcasm that went viral. And now he's being asked to go do comedy all around the world. So first of all, JP, I got to tell you, there's about 10 people out there that late at night, if I'm trying to go to sleep and I need a laugh, I need something to watch and laugh, you are one of the guys on that list you crack me up brother thank you for coming out here uh, it's good to have you on the show thank you Patrick for having me and I'm both complimented and insulted at the same time that I would be one of the ten that you use to laugh to go to sleep and then of course insulted that I'm one that puts you to sleep <laughs> but so happy to be here with you today brother okay so I told him earlier I said you have the sense of humor of Yogi Berra because he's like this entire time we've been talking his level of sarcasm hasn't stopped. You've been nonstop from the moment you came in here. But every time I was like, wait a minute, two seconds later, that was a joke. He just joked. I got it two seconds late. Let me just give you a couple of the episodes that he's done on YouTube. If meat eaters acted like vegans. Do you even know how dangerous deer are when you're driving your car? If you don't kill and eat deer first, you basically want people to get into car accidents. How to become gluten intolerant. Give expert medical advice. Once you take your gluten-free vows, you'll need to have an automatic understanding that every medical condition is caused by gluten. Depression, it's always caused by gluten. Obesity, that's 100% gluten. And passive-aggressive relationship techniques. Oh, thank you for cleaning the kitchen for once. JP shares so much gratitude with me through his snarky comments. And at the same time, he shames me a lot. He is so good at directly communicating his thoughts with me with misdirected shame. She deserves it. At what point did you know, listen, I'm, I'm witty, I'm sarcastic, I'm awkward, I'm weird, I'm different, but guess what, that's who I am. And I know you gave a talk on it with TED Talks and you said the best way to be unique is not to be yourself, is to be like everybody else. So when did you, you know, come to your own and kind of figure out a way to say, this is who I am? I started YouTube and it was probably at least nine months into doing comedy videos on YouTube that I started to arrive into my own and like figure out this is who I am. And it, it's not only okay, but it's awesome. And I want to celebrate it more and, and let more of me out. So, the, you know, the first nine months of YouTube was like a feeling out process. I felt like a newborn colt, wobbly legs, didn't really know, like, what is my sarcastic voice on camera? I always knew it in my personal life. Were you uncomfortable at first? Were you like, how are people going to embrace me? Was there a little bit of that or not at all? I thought doing comedy videos would be a terrible idea. I thought it would be the worst thing I could possibly do for my business, which up until four years ago when I started doing comedy videos, I was doing emotional healing client coaching for 13 years, like life coaching. And I was thinking like, yeah, I shouldn't be funny in the public because that would discredit me. Were you funny doing that or was it a serious business? Very serious. Seriously? Yeah, like really working with people, healing their, their wow. pain, their trauma, helping them step into their personal power, resolve their life challenges. From my point of view, if we can't trust, that means we're gonna be forever lonely and isolated, not letting anybody in. In my personal life, 
Ever since I was a child, a sense of humor being a comedian was always something there in my personal life. But in the professional life, I was compartmentalizing and telling myself a story like, yeah, I, I should be serious. That's, it Isn't would discredit that amazing? Me. And it's amazing I believed that story for so long. But then just kind of like having an itch that you got to scratch, I kept having these ideas to convey concepts through the language of yeah. comedy. So oh, comedy video ideas kept coming to me. And finally I said, all right, I still think it's going to be bad for business, but I got to do it. Did somebody push you over the edge? Like, was somebody saying, come on, do it, JP? No, no. Oh, so this isn't somebody inspiring you to do it. This is you woke up one day and I'm doing this. Yeah, all, all an internal experience and internal journey. I like to use the word journey because I think I f will sound more spiritual. <laughs> Being ultra-spiritual has nothing to do with actually being spiritual because no one even knows what that actually is. But when I put my first comedy video out, a couple magical things happened. First, inside, it was so creatively satisfying. I had never felt it before. Wow. Like something woke up in me that I didn't know existed. First one. First one. It was just so satisfying, so fulfilling. And then the first one was also pretty well received. So there was that codependent encouragement from the outside world that was actually helpful and supportive of people viewing it. And then it also turned out to be the best thing I could ever do for my business where my one-on-one -on -one client coaching, which I was doing at the time, my schedule got busier than I could imagine because what happened was people found my comedy video, then they'd search deeper in my YouTube channel, which had well over a hundred just sincere, serious life coaching videos. And they're like, oh, wow, this goofy guys for real. Is it on the same channel or you had a separate channel? Same channel. Oh, so same channel. And all my serious videos are still on my YouTube channel. So if you dig deep enough, you'll find a lot of non-funny videos. What? So they're not private. You didn't go private or unlisted. They're Correct. out there to find. Started my YouTube channel with a sincere life coaching videos yeah. probably about five and a half years ago. Got it. So for a year and a half, you went in and you said, I'm going to test this out with uh, me being specifically spiritual, you know, serious. Year and a half later, I'm gonna test out the comedy and see how this does. Yeah. How are you? I'm JP Sears. I would like to share with you 10 tips to ruin your life so that you can be certain that your life is gonna be ruined the way you want it to be. Isn't that amazing? Because for us, we started Value Team, and I think the first 50 or 100 episodes we did was called Two Minutes with Pat. The only episode that was ever two minutes was the last episode. Every one was nine minutes, eight minutes, 11 minutes. So guys finally said, Pat, stop lying to us. This is not two minutes with Pat. This is nine minutes with Pat, 11 minutes with Pat. So we adjusted. But you kind of learn. I think how much of it you think it is the fact that you just said, I'm going to start creating content. And after creating content, you kind of said, what about if we pivot here and make adjustment there? Was it kind of like that process that you went through yourself? Very much so. And, and I would call the process forest gumping my way through it. None of it was, none of it has been a premeditated plan of here's the vision, here's where we're going, and this will be a great entrepreneurial move. So following my heart, following what feels passionate and inspiring to me, and I will do that. So it's kind of like Forrest Gump is aware of his next step. He's not aware of where that step and then the next step and the next hundred steps are gonna lead him because Forrest Gump, who, and I think all of us could use a little more Forrest Gump archetype in our life, 
he's my hero because here's a guy who's so intellectually ill-equipped that he couldn't follow his head. So he had no choice but to follow his heart. Wow. And when he would do that, things would work out for him. And of course, in the story becomes a war hero, football star, ping pong star. Ping pong star, yeah. We all want to be a ping pong star. No, I, I was just playing before the interview about practicing because I'm trying to see if I have the ability to go to the Olympics one that's day. That's what we're all working towards. That's right. It's ping pong stardom. So When's your birthday, by the way? What month's your birthday? April, April 12th, so I'm in Aries. You're in April 12th. Wow, my dad's April 10th and I hire April babies. Interesting. Are you are you very organized or no? I would say I'm I'm pretty organized. Yeah. And you are you a perfectionist? Like you do the best work. If you want something to get done, you feel like no one's going to do better than I, you. I'm unfortunately a perfectionist. Yeah. I'm trying to surrender some of that control, but yeah. Are you a clean, guilty. neat freak as well, or no? Like you, you yeah. like you wash your hands. You got to be clean all the time. Yeah, all the I'm a neat, disordered person. <laughs> I'm not quite at the freak level. So you got to do one on neat freak. <laughs> you got to do one on OCD type of thing. That'd be funny. And I you. think perfectionism would be a great video. That'd be a too. great video for you. Actually, I should just do videos on you. Like, I'll just follow you around, Patrick. Like, oh, here's a new dysfunction. No, I'm just going to give you ideas. I'm going to text you and say, hey, JP, here's the video. Okay, I'm dealing with this issue mentally. You got to do a video. I'm trying to figure it out. How do we figure out a sarcastic way to address this? And uh, you'll be my unqualified doctor, which we can, we can, you know, ultra spiritual. You know, we can do something about that. Yeah, you know, I've... As far as I'm aware, I've never been qualified as a doctor, at least on paper. But Patrick, I want you to know that deep down inside, I identify as a doctor. And if you do, that's all that matters. Absolutely. So, so Dr. J.P. Sears. Thank you. Does it help you that you wear Ferragamo shoes every day? Like, do you like wearing Ferragamo shoes and your, your Armani suit? Is this, is this kind of intentional? Like Ferragamo shoes, is a, that's the first time I've ever heard that word. <laughs> So I assume it's a very fancy shoe. <laughs> it is. But how many purple shirts like this do you have? Seriously, how many of them right do you have? Right now I have three. And I'm definitely batting low. You know, I, a recent video I did was a raw vegan cooking show video where I made raw vegan bat cuisine. And I don't want to ruin the, the plot for everybody, but I'm going to give the plot away. So spoiler alert. Sorry if it ruins your life. At the end of the video, because I ate raw bat made out of eggplant, uh, I contracted rabies. And, you know, I want the full meat-eating experience eating as a vegan. So it's like, okay, I ate bat substitute. Of course, I got to get vegan or got to get rabies, which is kind of like being a vegan, only veganism is probably more deadly. So by the end of the video, I'm covered in ketchup. That was my uh, substitute blood. It, so it ruined my fourth purple shirt. So you only have three of these. Is there a specific brand you stick to? Either Next Level or American Apparel. I feel bad that he only has three. Can we buy like 20 of them and just send it to him on us? Medium. Uh, medium? Medium. Medium. Extra Guy. medium. Extra medium. <laughs> Makes my Extra small medium. muscles look bigger. Got it. Extra medium. <laughs> One of the things that always interests me, I grew up in a very uh, uh, pressure type environment. I grew up in Iran, war you know, parents divorce, refugee camp, all this stuff. And my savior to kind of keep things level-headed was humor, right? That was at least for me to be able to do that. Did you have any issues with family or anything growing up that made you use humor to calm things down? Did you ever have sure. that yourself? Sure. You know, I know you grew up in, with literal war around you. And I, I won't pretend to imagine what that's like. And at a metaphoric level, I think 
part of the human condition is we all grow up with wars around us. It might be conflict at home between parents mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or some parents not there. So it's like, what is our war? And my war, again, it, nothing compared to what you grew up with. There was always tension at home. My parents were splitting apart, getting back together, splitting apart, getting back together. Dad's overworking and mom's upset about it and dad moves out and, you know, mom's in bed crying for, you know, weeks at a time. How old are you at this time? How old started are you? at seven. Okay. And, and I think even before that started, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, it's like, yeah, yeah, I could feel it. I think children are very much in tune with energy. No they doubt. might not know how to intellectually yep. report what's going on and what they're feeling, but kids feel. I mean, there's, there's no secrets, even if secrets are being kept. And in fields of psychology, they're really uncovering like, yeah, we're really affected by secrets because the energy is there. So of course, how I responded to that, how I compensated was through humor. So if I felt insignificant inside, and I certainly did for quite a bit of my childhood, I didn't want to feel that. So I would compensate by making people laugh. Wow. So I get to feel significant, like, oh, I feel like I matter to you because I made you laugh. That helps me escape the reality of this feeling of feeling insignificant. And then, you know, when you do that thousands and thousands of times, you kind of get the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours of practice right. of reading people, what's going to make this person laugh, and then delivering what's going to make them laugh in an effective way to That's make so them amazing. laugh. Because it's a very desperate way of getting emotional needs met. Starts sharpening the the satirical sword of humor. How early was that? At seven? Like, did you use your humor at seven? I was always one of the class clowns. Got it. And and I'm I, having a hard time believing that. By the way, that you're a class clown. You know, I, I just can't see it. Right. No, obviously, you're, you know, you're having fun. You're making everybody laugh. Yeah. You probably, teacher likes you. Sometimes they don't like you. You're probably that guy in school, right? For sure. And I found when, uh, you know, once I got to junior high and then high school, you need, a, you need a bigger challenge. It's no longer a challenge to make my classmates laugh. So the challenge became, can I make the teachers laugh? Push them far enough to make them laugh without pushing so far that you get in trouble. There's a fine line there. You got, you know, humor is tension. And of course, creating tension is also what creates trouble. So of course, sometimes I'd cross the line and other times I'd get the teacher to laugh and, and that was very joyful. I, I don't want to discount the fact that the humor to escape pain was also creating joy. So there's that light side of it as well. It's not just all dark shadows. Did your parents stay together or no? They, they Yeah, they did stay together. They're still together. And in fact, um, just last week I was doing comedy shows in Buffalo, New York, and they came to my shows. Get out of here. Yeah. So is he still an atheist and she's still a Catholic or no? Yeah. So that yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah, it, it's so funny. Like my mom, she's never been more Catholic. She's going to church <laughs> every multiple times a week. Wow. Sometimes... You know, like when it's her turn in the rotation to serve coffee at church, she pulls my dad along and, you know, he's there thinking this is all a bunch <laughs> of BS and but doing it to make my mom. It's hilarious. I love That's it. That's cool, though. I you wouldn't know, want so, it any other way. So I tell my parents, they, one was a communist, one was an imperialist, and they fought wow. all the time, 24-7. So for us, we're humor. But they didn't stay together because if they did, 
World War III would have started. But I can only imagine if they were still together and she's going to a communist rally and he's going to an imperial. Come here, honey. I just can't see it taking place. Do your parents also sport the purple shirts? Like, do you get them a purple shirt and say, Mom, can you wear this? Dad, can you wear this? I've definitely gotten them purple shirts, especially when it's my line of apparel and it's disappointing how unoften they wear them. <laughs> uh, to, uh, something funny when my dad did have a purple shirt on, probably a few years ago when my comedy videos were first coming out and at the time in all the videos I would have a headband on, yes. flower in my hair. I still do that once in a while but it's not every time thing. So I fly home and I'm at the airport baggage claim. My parents are going to be picking me up. I'm looking around like they're, they're nowhere around. They said they were going to be in baggage claim. After a couple minutes, I'm scanning the room again, and then here's this doofus dressed in a purple shirt, long hair, headband on, flower in his hair. Come on. As my dad wearing Come a on. wig and dressed like me. It was How hilarious. Cool. So they're proud. They're excited to see this becoming a reality. They really are, and, and it feels good. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing uh, out of devotion to my truth and my creative mm -hmm, muse. Mm -hmm. When I'm a kid, I think a lot of people, it's let's perform good, let's get good grades, perform good in sports to make mom and dad proud. But I think approval is a very cheap currency. I think it, it makes us go bankrupt. Even with parents? Even with parents. I mean, you get approval and it feels awesome for five minutes and then you're bankrupt. And then before too long, well, okay, I gotta do something mm. more. And then before too long, we're giving away ourselves. We're being who we think our parents want us to That's be in order to get approval. So we bankrupt thy true self. Uh, and we do that with parents, society, friends. Right. And, and I think the, the real valuable currency, sort of like the inner version of mm -hmm. Bitcoin, if you will, mm -hmm. is self-acceptance. I think when we're true to ourselves, when we're voicing our voice and being true to the creative muse, following our heart, man, that is a very, very uh, valuable currency. That's what creates fulfillment, not bankruptcy. Healing, you know, coaching, you've been doing this 12, 13 years and all of a sudden you have this thought, I wanna go comedy, I've already done 100 videos, what if I make my next video comedy? That's, that's very scary thing to do because you're completely changing your brand. When you made that shift, did one of your businesses take a hit for like three months? Like did the spiritual healing business take a hit for a few months until this one recovered and came back up? There was a big shift, but there wasn't a hit. In fact, it was sort of the opposite where the online comedy videos brought so much exposure. You know, people come to my YouTube Got channel, it. dig deeper, yep. I mentioned, find my sincere videos from there. Like, well, this guy's doing some real life coachy stuff here. Then they find my website like, oh, he does coaching via Skype or phone. And so my schedule became more full than what I could handle with one-on-one -on -one clients. So great problem to have. And then uh, it's like, okay, I'm busier than ever. And I'm at the time making comedy videos anywhere from once every couple weeks to once a month. I wasn't really in my rhythm yet. And then after about nine months of doing comedy videos, one-on-one -on -one client coaching, never been more full. I said, I need more creative space here. So at the time it was very scary, but I eliminated one day a week of doing client coaching. So I went from five days a week to four days a week because it's like, I need time to 
do videos, there's something here. Now, how many times at this point are you creating content? Probably on average, once every two weeks for the uh, the, the comedy. Okay. And then for the sincere, spiritual, Serious? life coaching yep. videos. Those were about once a week. Okay. So Got I was it. staying consistent with those. But it was scary, like, wow, one day a week of income? I'm gonna let, that is so That's irresponsible. What I'm so how did you manage that? Yeah, I, I felt the fear. Something that I've learned from my own experience and then I look at other successful people and I guarantee you have stories like this, probably a wealthy library of them. One of the best keys to success is a willingness to do the things that scare you rather than avoiding the things that scare you because that means we're, we're really avoiding feeling the fear, which means we're gonna avoid the source of fear, which is doing something new that scares us. But I think a willingness to do something that scares you means you have to be willing to be afraid. I think the true warrior, the true courageous warrior is he or she who's willing to be afraid and take action anyway. I think false courage is the illusion of like, oh, they're doing stuff and they're never afraid. It's like, no, that's not courage. There's no courage if there's no fear. Sure. You're just doing something that's already familiar to you. It's not challenging. It's not new. So it, it was a new phenomenon. It took a lot of courage and a willingness to be afraid like, I'm losing income. But it felt like there was something there. I couldn't see where I was going. I couldn't see what was coming towards me, but it felt purposeful. And and then I went to, you know, three days a week doing life coaching. And it, at that time, like now I'm earning some YouTube revenue. Now there's the occasional sponsorship. Now there's the occasional speaking When fee. is now? Is now two years ago? Is now three years ago? Yeah, is it a year ago? Now is uh, three years ago. So, so I, three years ago, you could essentially say I'm dropping the coaching to do this, but you didn't yet. Right, I was dropping it gradually. Got you know, it. drop a day from the week. Right now, oh, you know, nine months later, now I'm dropping another day. When did you fully drop everything? Where it's just the it YouTube thing? Beginning of January 2017. Year and a half ago. Yeah. Got and it. and it it was well past time. I was making more money than ever doing speaking endorsements. And it was just like, yeah, the, the coaching, it served me so well. And it's such great, rewarding work. Yet the, the call of my heart is taking me elsewhere. So I, I finally had to let it go. At a year, so January 2017, had you already met your wife or not yet? I was in Costa Rica at a retreat. I was a guest teacher at a retreat. I was teaching something on emotional healing and humor. And during that retreat, my now wife was also a guest teacher. So I met her there and it was on a hike during the retreat. I was talking to someone, he's just a big time coach, very wise dude. And it was while I was talking to him on that same retreat where I met my wife, where he pointed out to me, JP, your energy drops when you're talking about your coaching. But when you're talking about videos, when you're talking about speaking endorsements, your energy elevates. And he said, JP, when are you going to drop this? Well, when are you going to finally drop the coaching? And I said, you're right. Thank you for reflecting that. Like, So this is a mentor telling you? Yeah, it was at the retreat, just made the decision. Got I'm, it. I'm not doing it anymore. And then I'm sure I shared yeah. it with her. Have you seen retreat. a movie, A Couple's Retreat? Vince Vaughn? Yeah. 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 Were you that kind of a, a speaker when you go there? Are you, are you like the guy, the yoga guy that says, come on. Do it.
power. I feel it. I wish I was. <laughs> I can see you coming up. So creepy. Your, you know, your speedo and you're like this yoga instructor. You just come out of the water and you do your hair thin thing like this. That would definitely be funny if we had a scene of you doing that. I, I think it's appropriate, by the way, if you do make yeah. something like that as a couple's retreat. You should go into the entertainment business. I should be in entertainment think business. Think about that. I should consider it. You got 2.2 million fans on Facebook. You're at 690,000 subs on YouTube. If you haven't seen the stuff, it's funny. You got your Instagram, 150,000 something followers. You're doing some stuff with Twitter. Your brand's being built up. A lot of people out there may be watching this saying, look, I feel like I'm funny. You know, I feel like, like even Kevin Hart once said, I didn't know if I could be a comedian until one day at a swim graduation thing, there were 60 kids in the room and he made everybody laugh and all the parents came and said, you should be a comedian. Anyone and became a comedian, yeah. figure that one out. He's got 150 million followers today, made 69 million last year. What would you say to somebody that's watching this saying, you know what, I think I'm funny, but I got an older sister that makes fun of me being funny, or I got an older brother that makes fun of me. I got a younger brother, I got a cousin, I got a guy in school that makes fun of me. My mom and dad make fun of me. I don't know if I'm really a comedian, I'm afraid what people are gonna think. But I want to try it out. You know, maybe I can do something with my comedy. What would your advice or counsel be to somebody like that? Voice your voice. Don't wait for validation. Don't wait for some magical fairy to show up and say, it's time. No, the insecurity of not knowing or the insecurity of like, yeah, I really want to do comedy, but what if nobody likes it? Or that insecurity is the part. Uh, that's how greatness starts. Michael Jordan started off insecure. He was cut from the basketball team when he was a sophomore in high school. Insecurity is a necessary challenge. It's a necessary dragon to slay. So however you want to do it, that might be start going to open mics. It might be let's make some sketches on YouTube and put them out there. How do you do that? How do you make sketches on YouTube? So yeah. maybe give the system. What is a system to make some sketches on oh, YouTube? I, I think a great way to do it is start with an idea. Okay. Start making notes, like get your computer out or your phone. Make notes to develop the idea. Like, okay, what's the, what's the bit here? Are we portraying something that's going on in society? Are you illustrating a pain that happens in your life that other people can relate to in a fun way? So write your script out, then get a camera on a tripod. All my YouTube videos, it's just a camera on a tripod. I do it all myself. And when I made my first YouTube video, after I filmed it, I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do next. So I went on YouTube and YouTubed how to edit video on iMovie. So you edited yourself on iMovie? Absolutely. You're kidding me. And then after I edited it on iMovie, then I YouTubed how to upload a video to YouTube. So that's what you gotta do. It's, it's so easy. It's amazing how simple it is. After you put the video out there, put it on Facebook, YouTube, mm -hmm. just all the places, don't worry what other people are saying. Like, That's big, by the way. That's, for sure. I, I don't know how many people create content after first video they stop. For sure. It's like, what if a bunch of people watch it and they hate it? And then the only thing worse is, well, what if nobody watches it? Yep. Amuse thyself, especially with comedy. Amuse thyself is the number one commandment. Do it in a way where you're so amused that it's worth doing even if no one watches it. That's the key to sustainability. Right. Because now you're going to make another video. You got to be consistent because, especially with comedy, there's a lot of junk that needs to be worked through. Not Nowhere near all my videos go viral. It's like, yeah, there's some videos I put out that's like, yeah, it's mediocre at best. But then if I don't put those out, if I'm not in the amuse thyself, mm -hmm 
mode, then the gems never see the light of day. So put out a video and keep going. Don't worry what other people are thinking. You will worry what other people are thinking, even though I say, but don't let that stop you. Be the courageous warrior who says, yeah, that's scary. What other people are thinking, that's scary. They're gonna, they will judge you and do it anyway. So, so that's the creative side. That's, that's the right brain side. Now let's talk the left brain side. You are creative, but you've been able to figure out a way to monetize comedy as well on YouTube. How do you do that? How did you start doing that? It's very hard to monetize anything if you don't have the audience built. So I put at least 80% of the weight in valuable content, and I know it's valuable if it amuses thyself. Uh, by the way, Patrick, I just said your name so you'll like me more. It's part of building rapport. That's what you're supposed to do, yeah. Or as the French say, report. I think something that worked well for me in the beginning to build the audience was I was not worried about monetizing. I was always in the back of my mind, like, if this keeps growing, like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure out so monetizing. So you want to think about monetizing anyways because you were already making an income. So one, don't drop your day job to be a professional content creator yeah. yet. That helped me build my audience. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be true to the art here. Not that you're untrue if you're monetizing, but I wanted all my energy to go into the creative value content, not like creating monetization. So once I was off and running for a while, then I figured, all right, let's do some monetization. So first thing was I'll monetize the YouTube channel, just earning the, the revenue from video ads. And then it was, okay, let me connect with a t-shirt company, do a little apparel line, uh, sell some of that, and all things that were fun to do. And then, then along the way, companies started approaching me, which is very easy monetization, like JP, when we want to do a little product placement or endorse our product. And, and after a while, I started realizing I am spending more time negotiating deals than I am creating. In fact, I remember the summer of 2016, I hit like a, call it a little bit of a rock bottom burnout place where I was burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. I woke up one day and said, it's been over three weeks since I've put out a video because I haven't had time. Wow. And that is pissing Great me point. off because I have the creative urge. That's right. So it's like I'm, I'm killing what has created all these opportunities. So I needed, knew I needed to do something and that was bringing on a manager. And, and now with my manager, he's taking care of all the incoming offers for sponsorships, speaking opportunities. So I needed, I think my unique path was leveraging someone's expertise so I can have more time doing my art and he is better at negotiating. He's better at seeing good deals, better at sniffing out incongruent deals. So part of my monetization is having essentially an expert manager. How'd you find it? How did you find a manager? At the time, I had a lot of managers reaching out to me. Okay, so you were already getting the attention in a yeah. marketplace. Okay, so you had choices. I, I had choices it. and it was overwhelming because I had had choices for a while, but there's this like, oh, you know, there's so many, whatever, horror stories out there, people just wanting to use you. And there are managers, agents that just want to use you. They'll talk a big game, but do they actually have the reciprocal value to enhance you and your career? So I had taken a lot of phone calls with managers and 
There was a producer who wanted to talk to me about a potential television project and start talking to him and it was great and learning more about him. He manages a few select comedians and other talent. And I said, well, cool, you know, we're talking about this TV stuff, but tell me the manager thing. Like I, I felt trust with him and Got I said, it. tell me more about that. And like, would you be willing to talk to me about working together? And he said, JP, I don't work with many people. I'm not willing to do that. Um, I'm very selective who I work with and I see big things for you. I love who you are, what you're doing. I would be very willing to work with you, but I want you to talk to a lot of other managers because if you decide you want to work with me, I want you to know it's the right choice for you. What a great thing to say, by the way. For sure. Phenomenal. And all these other conversations I were having were kind of like pressurized, JP, work with me, work with right. me. So yeah, I, I took another couple months, talked to other managers, but I went back to him and I said, Michael, let's go for it, man. And, and he's been my manager for over two years now and it's just been an absolute dream. So talking to a lot of people while trusting my gut instinct. Listen, what a great story you got, man, truly. What a phenomenal story. Uh, if you're watching this, if you want to learn more about this man's video, you got to go. The channel is called what? Awaken with JP? Oh, Awaken with JP. Awaken yeah. with JP. He's got that uh, that sound you put right off the bat. It's like that. Uh, f what it, is that? It's like it, a yoga sound. It's a Tibetan bowl. It's a Tibetan <laughs> When you hear me, it starts up. I like the headband and I like the thing you would put in your ear. You doing that, that was kind of cool. Maybe you should sell a wig like that and send it to me and I'll take the wig and the headband and put that flower in the purple shirt and post a picture that you and I did something together here. I Again, if you want to find him, whatever you took from this concept, this interview today, send him a tweet. And uh, again, if you want to go watch his content, go watch any of the videos he has on his YouTube channel. If you like it, give him a sub as well and let him know you found him here on Valuetainment. JP, thanks for coming out, buddy. Really appreciate the time. For sure, Patrick. Thank you for having me, and Most I love definitely. what you're doing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid, and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.